to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks expanding the playoff field means letting the big dogs and the small ones play together. That's Lenny, who is 17 pounds, yet plays with the big dogs, if you know what I mean. I, I just meant that literally he does play with the big, big dogs. Um, I'm Mina Kimes, and I am delighted to be joined by a man who is finally wearing the article of clothing he's so long craved. Uh, it's a symbol of our affection for him here at the Mina Kimes Show. It's Dominique Foxworth. Man, it's not about the article of clothing. It's just about the affirmation that comes with being able to wear a Mina Kimes show with Lenny, or featuring Lenny hat. I'm sorry. It's okay. Damn. I love it. And um, <laughs> I thought when you were le- when you were leaning it, leading in with all the Lenny big dog stuff, I really thought you were going to say, and our very own big dog, because I feel like I'm kind of a big deal for this show. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I don't mean it's a big deal to have me on the show. I mean, in this show's universe, oh, I feel like there are very God. few universes where I feel like I'm a big dog. I'm obviously not a big dog at ESPN. My NFL career is not that of like a Hall of Fame big dog. There's one place that I feel like I'm a big dog and it is in the Mina Kimes show universe. I'm the guy. You are a fan favorite. You get a lot of love in the uh, reviews on iTunes where we take questions as well. Um very popular, so I'll accept that. I'll accept. That. Have you ever have you ever owned a big dog no. <laughs> T-shirt? Do you know about the big dog? Absolutely not. That was like I feel like when I was a kid, that's what like white dads wore. Like I, I, I mean, all, yeah. all my friends' dads, like they had the my white friend dads had the big dog mm. shirt. That well, was uh, they missed me. Now I don't know what what a middle aged dad. Since I am a middle aged dad at this point, I don't know what my uniform is supposed to be. I think I, at some point I, I got to go with that the leather baseball cap. You may not know about that, Mina, but at a certain age, huh. yeah, at a certain age, black uncles must wear leather baseball caps to cookouts. It's a fact. I, I thought it was more like the um, like the Kangol, like the Samuel oh, Jackson yeah, yeah, type hat. Okay, so you either be you either go Kangol, you go leather baseball hat. Or you can go, like the Kangol has to be the okay. driver's type, or you can go yeah, yeah, with yeah. like a derby, like uh, with like a feather on the side. I feel like I'm a leather baseball cap type of uncle. Um, It's the wild card round. I was going to try to come up with a clever <laughs> transition, but I'm so terrified that we've already alienated people by talking about Black Uncle's hats, choice of uh, millinery, millinery um, at barbecues. Um, and... It's pretty chaotic right now. I mean, so we're taping on Tuesday, and I, and I feel like I have to give this disclaimer every week now because of all the COVID stuff, you know, who, who's playing, who's not playing. It seems to change day to day. The Browns in particular were hit hard today um, with the news that both head coach Kevin Stefanski and left guard Joel Batonio won't be at the game. Um, we're going to talk about that at the end. I wanted to go just in order uh, from the first game, which is Colts Bills, to the last one, which is Brown Steelers. But let me ask you this: Which game do you think is the sexiest? Because I thought it was Brown Steelers, but now I'm I'm backing off of that with this latest yeah. news. Yeah, I, I think it's Ravens Titans. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, that that if I was looking down the list of games, and like the one that feels most like a coin toss is the Revenge of Lamar game, which is Ravens mm-hmm. versus Titans. So that's that's the one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this Steelers, Steelers, Brown situation. The Steelers always feel like a big brother, but when you can't bring your head coach and your best or one of your best offensive linemen to to the fight, it does feel <sighs> a little great. unfair. Not great. 
especially after you barely beat the JV Steelers. Um, yeah. I, but I, even with that said, I still thought the Browns had a chance. We'll talk about that game, but like I said, we're going to go chronologically. Um, and so the, what I ask you to do is, this is incredibly original as a framework. Don't steal it. I ask you to identify one thing that you think could decide the game. Trademark Mina Kimes. Um, so I, okay, so we're starting with Colts bills, which is a Saturday afternoon game. And if you had, by the way, not told me the schedule, um, I absolutely would have identified this as being the Saturday afternoon game. Um, it's just the Saturdayest of games. So I, so the, the Colts barely got in, uh, by the grace of God or the, uh, you know, dolphins losing and all that. Um, (laughs) the dolphins are decidedly not God, but I, this was hard for me because um, I kind of think the Bills are going to wipe the floor with them. I might be wrong. Right. So the best thing I could come up with, I'm, I'm just going to go first, is can the Colts keep Josh Allen off of the football field? Because I don't think, <laughs> yeah. we can talk about the Colts offense, and I find that side of the ball more interesting. I don't think, as good as, the Colts defense is, they're very solid, uh, which is like a sort of a passive-aggressive compliment. I just don't see like Buffalo is an absolute buzzsaw right now. And I don't see them stopping them. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, if you ask me like the sexiest game before and like the one that is the most Saturday and most likely to, to be kind of a blowout and not competitive, that obvious answer is this one is the one that's most likely to be a blowout. But I mean, you still have to see the Colts offensive line, I guess. So I, I like you. When you gave me this assignment, I tried to figure out something in this game. And this was the hardest. I put a list of many things. And the only one that feels feasible is like Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line yes. for the Colts have to go off. And like that, that's a decent matchup against this Bills front. Yes. So it's possible, Great. but it's unlikely that that's going to be enough to score with the way that Josh Allen and that offense has been scoring lately. So it's a it's a kind of a old school speed up the game by running the ball and possessing it and uh, reduce the possessions and hope that Josh Allen makes the mistake. Hope that Josh Allen throws a turnover. Hope that he tries to do much to do too much and tries to break a tackle and ends up coughing up the ball. Like you have to hope for some sort of turnover and on the other side of the ball, be conservative and, uh, and push them around. Um, I, Okay, I was trying to like come up with re- before we get to the Jonathan Taylor thing, which by the way he has been. Ugh, I always do this. I, I I have trouble sticking with one thought. Okay, Jonathan Taylor has been awesome, and he did not look awesome in the beginning of the season. He was averaging less than fifty yards per game through the first half of the season. Over the last six games, he's averaged nearly one hundred twenty-five yards per game. Uh, he went off for over two hundred fifty last week, but he also just—it's it, not just about you know volume or garbage time or total yards. He freaking looks awesome, and I would add the offensive line is clicking um, because they weren't as good at you know run blocking for him in the early part of the season. So this Bills defense is—they—they they have obviously improved since the beginning of the season when they looked extremely mediocre. But they're much better at stopping the pass than the run. They're built to stop the pass. They're super disruptive. You want the ball out of Philip Rivers' hands, um, and I think it's it, that is the area of strength. Like if you had to find one matchup in this game that favors the Colts, I would say it's their offensive line run blocking for Jonathan Taylor. I was trying so hard, Dominique, to figure out like because because I like the Colts' defense. Like I understand why Matt Eberflus is a head coaching candidate. I know. 
you know, like they're, they're very old fashioned. They do their cover two, they execute really well. And the best thing I could come up with, so I was like scanning through the numbers. The best thing I could come up with as being like a case for their, like their ability to limit Josh Allen is this is interesting. Josh Allen, um, against every coverage shall, but two is second in completion percentage against cover two that drops to 31st. So that was kind of interesting. There you go. Then they specialize in it. I mean, I think they they are a zone defensive team. They do do some interesting things on third down where they still drop into zones, but they end up only rushing four, but they'll send a zone blitz like from one side to try to overload there and then still drop into a cover three or a cover two with linemen dropping into the zone. So like, I think in those situations, the hope is that they mess up the count and you get a free runner and maybe that helps them, but they are not going to be the team that sends the farm. And uh, and gives up a big play. That's just not how they're designed. Which is good. I I you don't want to do that against Josh Allen. Like he's been so good against the Bruce yeah. Uh, okay, okay, okay. All right. I okay. mean, I I I agree with you, but when you are outmatched, you kind of like it doesn't seem crazy to just introduce some chaos <laughs> into the situation. You know, like yeah. if you're outmatched and you're just gonna go out there and play regular zone, like that's not gonna confuse Josh Allen. That's not gonna create a turnover. And that's gonna that's gonna let my man um Cole Beasley eat in the middle of the field, matched up on nickelbacks and linebackers, and then they play a lot of cover three, which leaves Stefan Diggs like comeback king. He's gonna be out there catching all types of hitches and comebacks because cover three leaves that open. So uh, they have to confuse them. They can't let them know exactly what mm-hmm. they're doing. And uh, it, it would be nice if they felt confident enough in their coverage to be able to like send some real blitzes. Cause then maybe they'd catch them off guard and got to try something different when, uh, when you're outmatched. But I, I don't know if they think they are, which is the Do- problem. Dominic, it's funny that you mentioned Cole Beasley because he did not practice today. It's Tuesday. Um, and this is the Saturday game. It really is incredible how much like your sch- the schedule matters here. Where as we talk through some of these injuries, but, um, yeah. So, and for the reason you just described, like I, I think not having Cole Beasley would be massive in this particular yeah. game against this particular defense, given what they do. Um, so that would make it more interesting. I, I don't want that Bills fans. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, what would be the things that would? Because um, I hear you. I mean, uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm not advocating for them to like become a max blitz team because they aren't built for that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you keep all things like static, anyway, you're not going yeah. to like outplay them. Like that's the whole reason why college football is full of innovation because occasionally you're just outmatched and the coaches go to the drawing board and say, our guys aren't better than your guys. So let's come up with something that's going to like throw them off kilter and maybe confuse it. Maybe we lose by 40 or maybe we win, but we're not going to lose by two touchdowns. That's just not going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I think that's been an interesting thing to watch with Josh Allen versus opposing defenses because there was this stretch earlier in the season, Dominique, like in the first, maybe in like October. Yeah, it was October because he started out super hot and then he had kind of a rough October where you saw defenses sort of pick up on the same. It it was similar to what they were doing to Mahomes at times this season, um, which was not blitz him. In fact, some teams were sending like three pretty consistently, sitting back, waiting for him, basically like, you know, like playing ping pong and just hitting it back to the opponent and waiting for him to F up. Um, And then that stopped working in part because Josh Allen has evolved as the season has gotten on into a smarter, more careful player. Um, 
So I'm inclined to think you're right if they pick their spots and, you know, especially since like we, they have such a strong identity on defense, if they're able to kind of deviate from their tendencies a bit, I think they could take him by surprise. What do you think? I mean, I know that we don't want to spend too much time on this game because it's not the most fun, but what are your expectations for Rivers? Like, I, I, that's one of the mm. things I had a hard time yeah. um, pinning down because, yeah, I don't well, have high expectations. So Rivers is such a smart quarterback, which sounds, I feel like he doesn't get praised enough for how good he is pre-snap because he's Philip Rivers and sometimes makes <laughs> goofy mistakes and says, dag nabbit. But, um, you, you know what I mean? Like you're not yeah. going to, um, fool him. He's usually if like, you, you know, the, the bills blitz a lot, by the way, right. They're probably one of the top five blitzing teams in the NFL top 10 easily. Um, and Rivers is extremely good at identifying pressure. Before so I think that if you can, sort of settle on the formula they have for the last few weeks that is very run dependent and let Rivers pick his spots, um, you can avoid some of the issues that have sprung up occasionally over the season. But I think that we're so people were so afraid of with this offense. He can make the throws. Um every now and then he just kind of blacks out post snap and does something insane. Well, I mean, Rivers has been better this season than I thought he was going to be, which tells you what I um, expected of Philip Rivers coming into this season. Like he's been okay, which I, I, I believed his last season in, um, and with the Chargers, like I, I believed that that was the Philip Rivers that we we're going to expect that or worse, and he's been better than that. Yeah, I mean, they're you, you got you got to run the football in this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> yeah. dumb, but. Um, yeah, so like the formula for the upset would be running the ball, keeping Josh Allen off the field, hoping Josh Allen blacks out and makes one mistake. Um, I don't even know. I don't have the line in front of me, but I got to think it's pretty massive. Um, I don't know. So sorry, Colts fans. I mean, throw it in my face if I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I love upsets. Okay, second game of the weekend, Saturday afternoon, Ram Seahawks. We do not know who is playing quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Dominique, what do you think is a factor that will decide this game? The quarterback, which is uh, a bit it's, of it's a Russell cheat, Wilson. I mean, I, it's Russell Wilson. That's the yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Just want you. Yeah, of course. Letting you know. I mean, I think that that really matters though, because uh, we've had this season of, of early Russell cooking and then they Russell cooled off and they reverted back to their traditional style of play, which has not, given very many points. So it's been challenging. Like I, I'm always nervous about talking about your team because you do extensive <laughs> research on everything, but your Seahawks knowledge is much deeper and you're emotionally tied to it. So I don't want to get in your way, but I, I mean, I think I, I noticed I rewatched their last game and Cooper cup was heavily involved. So you mean the last Rams Seahawks game? Yeah. 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 The, the Rams Seahawks game. Yeah. Co- Cooper cup was not involved in the last Rams game, which right. like that's, a concern um, seeing that. So, I, I mean, I think I'm not as much worried about Wolford's production as I am um, what Russell we see. Like, what I, Russell I think you're 100% right. I think you're yeah. 100 Like, look, this is going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. Yeah. Like, this is – there's no way – maybe I'm wrong, not going to – whatever. But this, I 
do not believe this goes over. I don't care if it's Goff or Wolford, by the way. I don't see this going over 50. No way. Probably not 45. Um, I think, so just putting a pin in the Seahawks offense, which has been a huge problem with this team now for half of the season. Um, I think Wolford, I know I'm like, it's kind of like a bit uh, that I love him so much. Um, but I thought he played spectacularly given the fact that he didn't have cup and um, acres was banged up. They really couldn't get anything going on with the run. He should have scored touchdown. There was a couple false starts that set them back and Gerald Everett dropped a couple balls. But after that first pick, he was super solid. Like, I don't think he's, you know, uh, taking like it'll light the NFL on fire. Um, but there, it, it was like, obviously the mobility is the element of his game that, um, Jared Goff is lacking. Goff has a stronger arm. And when the Seahawks played the Rams, Dominique, you remember the last time they did not respect Jared Goff's legs at all. Like every yeah. time Goff would boot out or, you know, he doesn't really scramble, but they were like, hey, yeah, you're, you're not going, you know, and he'd have seven or eight yards in front of him. So if it's Wolford, you're looking at a very different defense that may or may not have Jamal Adams. On offense, I think the uh, everyone keeps asking, what is wrong with the Seahawks offense? Like, what what is it? We know defenses are playing more cover two against them. We know that they're taking away the deep pass. Is it Brian Schottenheimer? Everybody loves to shit on him. Is it, should they be running more? Is it Russell Wilson being off? Are the wide receivers not getting open? And my answer to all of that is yes. <laughs> like it's, yep. it's a combination of things. Like Wilson is missing balls. The, some of the cover two beaters that they want to go to down the field, Russ, the, the offensive line is not holding up long enough for like Tyler Lockett to get open on a crosser. Wilson is looking off guys underneath for eight to 10 yards, waiting for DK Metcalf to go, go open. All of that is happening. And so I feel like I can't, you know, all of those things cannot be magically solved at once, but when the Seahawks offense is intermittently clicking over the last few weeks, it's typically when Wilson just kind of goes into effort mode and they go no huddle and he starts running around. And I feel like they're going to have to do that to win this game. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's Seahawks. I guess that yeah, right. the fourth quarter of most Seahawks games um, until they had this like world beating offense at the beginning of the year. So yeah, I, I think that's right. But I, the question that I've had about the Seahawks is has their defense improved or they've just played bad offenses. And fortunately this matchup means we still don't necessarily have to find out because I'm not sure how good this offense is going to be. Uh, everyone respects McVay, but without so many playmakers in their quarterback, who I think we both agree is not a world beater, but he's better than Wolford um, and the no cup and the acres injury, like this team is not the same type of offense. So that, bodes well for the Seahawks defense um, who I don't think we, I mean, they aren't as bad as they started the year, but I don't think they're as good as they ended the year. Uh, yeah. It's actually like interesting that you mentioned that because like the Seahawks offense is not as bad. Like they've played really good defenses, you know, and then, but the flip side, the Seahawks defense has played good or bad offenses. So, right. you know, teams like Washington or Los Angeles or San Francisco, those are all teams with really good defenses and really, you know, like struggling up. So I think both sides of the ball are kind of like people are um, they're pumping up the defense too much and, you know, criticizing the offense a little bit too much. But yeah, they're 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 OK. They're fine. I, I'm just happy they're not historically bad. 
anymore, <laughs> but the notion yeah. that they're like a top tier offense defense is, is incorrect. And, um, you know, I mentioned Jamal Adams might not play. I think Jaron Reed could be just as much of a issue in this game because, you know, what the Seahawks defense has done, they're using these bare fronts, Dominic and the walk, walking KJ up to the line. He's been spectacular and they've been really good with, um, you know, Mayoa, Puna, Jaron, KJ, whoever, um, on the other side and, uh, who I'm missing their other defensive. Oh, Dunlap, Dunlap's the new guy. And to lose one of the defensive tackles would be, it would hurt a lot in this game. How much would you bet on the Seahawks in this game? I know you don't gamble, but let's just say hypothetical. I gave you a thousand dollars. Yep. thousand dollars. You have to bet it on the Seahawks. How much I, I'm picking, bet? I'm picking Seattle. I am um, just because of the Rams issues at quarterback, regardless of who it is. Right. right. Like mm-hmm. it's either as much as I love him, a man who was not supposed to make the Rams practice squad last year versus <laughs> Russell Wilson. And, or it's Jared Goff with a semi healed thumb. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't, overlook that even though i was like, trying to gauge your confidence though you you managed to avoid it let me with all your words let's get down to these numbers how confident <laughs> are you in, in these hawks can you talk about why how why the rams pass defense is so good um you try to distract me with with coverage no i'm trying to lean on your expertise you I lean mean, on me for seattle let me ask you about it. <laughs> talk to me about quarters Oh, man. No, I don't want to talk about corners. I mean, they're good at defense. They have flexible guys. And the crazy thing when I rewatched that game was how smart the defensive backs were. And I guess I shouldn't yeah. say it's crazy, but like they one of the things that I was talking to somebody, one of my friends a couple of days ago about um, getting into a place mentally that is like like a, a, a bad place, kind of place where you have to go to to play football. You have to go somewhere that is kind of dark and aggressive because we were talking about that college fight where I was like, that's ridiculous. And like, I was thinking like, I would never do something like that. And then I thought back, I was like, there were times when like, if something would have gone another way, like I would have been in an on-field brawl. So anyway, long story short, all right, it's already long, but the point is we were talking about players who can play well on defense without getting to that mental place. And the player that came up first that I played with was like Ed Reed. Ed Reed wasn't, he would get there mentally on occasion, but like his game was not based on like physicality as much as it was knowing what you saw and what you were expected and like knowing your rules and knowing that you believe I have certain rules. And then he would break those rules in order to create turnovers. And I mm. saw, see, I saw um, Rams defenders doing that in that, in that game. Um, I forgot who it was. Someone off the beginning was playing cover two corner and they did like a, a little bunch combo to, to the right side. And probably Williams. Yeah, it was probably – yeah, anyway, they did a bunch com- combo to his side. It wasn't Ramsey. I would have remembered that. Um, and there was a guy in the flat, cover two. You should widen with that. He obviously sees that, but he jumps on the curl and the bunch and, and undercuts it and bounces off his face mask. And it should have been an interception. And in that moment, it's third and two or three or something like that. Like, I knew what he was doing. He didn't blow the coverage. He did blow the coverage, but he didn't blow it because he – didn't know any better. He blew it because he knew that Russell knew we were in cover two and Russell knew that in cover two, the quick answer is going to be this little curl is going to open up first. And he just jumped across it. And there was like a couple other times in that game. And throughout the course of the year where I've seen those guys just like uh, take these educated risks. And 
it's something that you don't that most players don't have the knowledge to do and certainly don't have the gumption i guess we'll go with that i won't say anything more aggressive but moxie. <laughs> have the, have the, yeah moxie they don't have well, the but man i pull the trigger in that moment true dude i there's a great article by robert mason the athletic about brandon staley and the um changes he's made to that defense and it talks a little bit about how you know he doesn't want to just play straight match um and he was explaining all of the things that the dbs are asked to do at like and really you talked about kind of like okay you know your rules but then you're going to abandon them if the opportunity arises it's opportunistic right you have eyes on the quarterback and I, and I'm reading it and I'm like how the f can you do all of this at once in 3 seconds like I you know like I can wrap my mind around the idea of like okay if this guy comes into my space suddenly he's my man or whatever or we're going to pass this guy off but to be able to hold multiple ideas in your head at the same time and have more than one person do that in a secondary just seems extraordinarily complex. But of course it's an, it's uh, made a lot easier by the fact that one of those DBs is the best in the NFL. Um, in my opinion, in terms of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that you do this and this again, I'm relying on like my experience with, with Ed is like you do it in your head so many times and before the snap happens, you recognize the situation and you anticipate, like, I know what they want to do right now. I know this is going to be an opportunity. So you just narrow it down. So you don't go into a play thinking, all right, I could get this concept, this concept, this concept, this concept, or this concept, and I could probably do this or do that or do that. You just play your normal rules until that opportunity comes up, until mm. that that formation comes, until that down and distance comes, until that – um that look that you're expecting comes and you're like, all right, if, if it happens now, and that's what, like when I first got to Baltimore, like I struggled the first few games until I started talking to Ed about what's going on because I was scared of getting beat deep because I didn't feel like I could rely on him to be where he was supposed to be because he would do um, unpredictable stuff. And like, what am I going to do? Go to hall of future hall of famer, Ed Reed. And like, you know what? Do your damn job because, like, I need to know where you're going to be. But, no, I went and watched film with him, and it helped me become a better player, understanding him, and it helped me um, be a better player just knowing what I was going to do. So, like, I would know, and I would be able to tell him, like, all right, this is the look that I'm looking for. When I get this look, I need you to cover me. I need you to have my back. Mm -hmm. And and I assume that they're doing similar things like that where they go into the week, like, if we get this look, Jalen, this is this is your chance. And look yeah. back at the safety or look at the linebackers, give them a wink or a nod and and go for it. You so rarely see them bust coverage or see, you see a guy like when they do take risks like that left out on an island either. There was like oh my god, what was it wasn't the Seattle game. Um, it was the Arizona game like on the first play it happened and then it was really anyways. Um yeah, I I I think I think it, Seattle's just going to have to take what they give them, right? Like you, the defenses are they giving them the underneath stuff. Um, you know, you, you're going to let them run a bit, and I think that's fine. Like I, be, and purely because it just seems like Wilson is so inconsistent right now, throwing deep that my feeling is like don't press it. Um, so, anyways, okay, that should be. I'm leaning Seattle. Um, the final game Saturday is again another one. <sighs> Not again. This is unlike I think I think Seattle Rams, you can actually make a case for either team. I haven't come across anyone picking Washington. Um, so for me, 
like in terms of, okay, what's a factor that could decide this game? It's really just kind of what can Washington do to upset it? And it's very obvious. This should come as no surprise. Can their defensive line wreak havoc up front? I mean, that's just it. Like there's no other, like, I don't think it's not going to go off, you know? (laughs) I have that written at the top for mine, but I wrote a backup and it's punish the, the, um, the Bucks when they blitz. That's yeah. all they can because the Bucks Bucks do blitz, and that's um like I, I straight up like we talked about in the first game, like straight up just going with your conventional stuff. I don't think that the that Washington is going to have much success against the Bucks defense. But if they can have gadget plays, or if or if Alex Smith can use his experience to understand what's going to happen and punish them when they blitz, like you need those big plays to connect, but. I don't really give them much of a chance. I know they have a great front four, and that gives Tom Brady um, trouble. We all recognize that, and the Bears gave him trouble with that. The Saints gave him trouble with that. But I don't see it happening um, here. I I mentioned this on on live yesterday, but um, everyone's like, why aren't you talking? Like, Tom Brady's just been rolling through the NFL. And I just grabbed the numbers because I was so curious. And over the last four weeks, he's been pressured on – just over 10% of dropbacks. Um, wow. That's so far between him. The next quarterback is Philip Rivers, by the way. Um, it, the gap between him and then Philip Rivers is bigger than Philip Rivers in the 15th quarterback. So, like, he is. Wow. Some of that is the Bucks' offensive line is very, very good, but also it's because of the teams. I mean, they played the Vikings, Lions, and the Falcons twice. So, uh, Washington is a very, very different animal. I actually am very curious, Dominique, to see if the Bucks suggest their game plan on offense at all. We, again, I, I don't think they're going to have, like they can, will, should win this game, but this is a, this Washington defense is a different animal from the ones that they've had success against. And we haven't really seen a ton of flexibility in Arians game planning when it comes to uh, defenses that can generate a standard pass rush successfully. And we've seen how much Brady has struggled when that happens. So you think they're going to go full Patriots and get this quick game back going that we've all well, been wondering when they were going to do it? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because, like, so Mike Evans probably not going to play in this game. He might actually, but, you know, he hyperextended his knee. It's not as bad as it looked. But, like, this isn't a Mike Evans game. This is a Chris Godwin game. Um, also, freaking, what, why does Leonard Fournette keep getting carries? I don't understand. Like, I just don't, like, what does he have? Oh people, I mean, when he carried, when he was in LSU and running people over and carrying people on his back, like, we, we can't forget it. We can't forget it. We still believe Draft that that's status. him. Draft status never leaves. Ronald Jones is better. He's better. Um, yeah, but I mean, they don't have a James White, you know, like, so uh, I, I would love to see Godwin and Brown get more action in the backfield as well. But I, like we just, you know, that that sort of creativity hasn't really been present in this offense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that exposing Tom Brady to deep dropbacks is like the wrong thing to do at this situation going into who they're playing against. But also, like, were well, you just gonna stop doing the stuff that you've been killing with for the past several weeks? Like, they're gonna do it, and they're gonna dare. I'm sure they'll give some help. And it's not it's not just Chase Young. Like, he's the the new hot name, but. I don't even know he's the best player on that defensive line right now. Montez like, Sweat is the best player yeah, on the defensive line. He, he is playing – like, they're all playing in pain. Like, it's 
they're good. So, yeah, they're yeah. Good. Allen. I mean, recipe if they could manage to have some decent quarterback play because, like, Alex Smith is turning the ball over now too. You can't be a game manager and yeah. a ball turner over. Like, you got to stop doing one. You got to <laughs> don't be, be a ball turner over, Alex. I mean, if you're gonna be that, then be a touchdown scorer also. So you can't like that. You got to go full Jameis. If you're going to give it to them, you got to hit some big plays too. And he can't seem to do that. So and that, I think that's Smith, the scariest part. Like what percent of Alex Smith is Jameis? Like what percent of the same genome do they share? Um, Not, none. None at all. You, th- um, so you talked a little bit I about I think he's the, supposed to get some reps too though, right? Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. So, cause Alex is still banged up too. So um, you talked a little bit about how the Bucks secondary can be exploited if you can beat the Blitz. Devin White's not playing in this game, also, by the way. Like, if it, if this was another team, I think that would be a bigger deal because it's such a massive absence. He's so integral to their pass rush. And um, the one way area where I could see it being a big deal in this particular game is uh, Washington not only runs the ball a lot, which I don't think – I think. Tampa can stop, but they also love to throw into their backs, right? And they love all that eye candy in the backfield and trying to confuse linebackers. So I think um, that is something that they could exploit in this game if they can keep the heat off Alex for 2.2 seconds. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm trying. Much- I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to sell this with you, but uh, this game isn't on our network, is it? We, but it's like, it's, it's hard no. to sell this game because I don't, Baltimore. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. It that is the way that they that they can win is beat them on the blitz, attack the the weaknesses with the injuries the linebacker. But I just don't see that happening really. And and um, sack Tom Brady. Like this is another game where it's going to have to be pull out everything. Like this is gadget plays, this onside kicks, fake punts, double passes. Like Ooh, Logan Thomas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the tight well, end. Dude, the well, use tight end fake pass. I know he was a quarterback. He can sling it too. He's not accurate, but he, he, he's got, he is no question the strongest arm on on that field. Absolutely. But uh, he's man. Did you see him? Uh, the touchdown in uh, the Eagles game where he like uh, climbed. I can't remember which. Yes. yes I saw it. He, he that is was a, a great game. Gigantic. <laughs> I'll we'll talk about that game a little bit. My later. favorite favorite game um, of the year. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I okay. Yeah, it's all about the Washington defense. And again, I I think it's it, that's going to be an interesting matchup because um, I I think if the Bucks can get past them, like we get probably Rogers Brady too. Mm, yeah. And, that's a spicy matchup, my friend. Yes, yes, so, uh, yes. So yeah. I like I like previewing this game by talking about what games it could give us. That well, tells I, me how excited you are about this. I'm one. I'm excited about that side of the ball. I'm excited about seeing whether or not, um, like I said, whether the Bucks make any adjustments against a very good, a very. You good think game. the Bucks can score twenty points against that defense? Yeah, I do. Okay, do you think that Washington <laughs> can score 20 points? Uh, I'm, more, I'm more dubious about that. I'm more dubious about that. That's a good way to decide any game. Can this team score 20 points on them? Um, but, again, I think I, – I definitely think the Washington defense can also score. You know what I mean? So Yeah, they're going to have why, to. Yeah, right, they're going to have to. But that's why this is not – it's not beyond hope, WFT fans out there. Uh, let's take a quick break and take some questions. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Question. Question. Lenny, for your thoughts. As always. Thank you so much for your lovely iTunes reviews. Um, first question, and, and the questions contained therein. And as always, a reminder, my mom reads them, so please keep them PG. My mom, by the way, is like a social media celebrity now. Dominique, have you been following this? <laughs> what, what is she? What happened? She has 10,000 Twitter followers. Oh, wow. Man, so you're, uh, I was going to say, never mind. That was a really bad analogy. She's LeVar uh, Ball. T- She's LeVar Ball. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the person I was going to go with. I'll tell you what I was going to go with. You can choose whether you want to cut it or not. The first thing that came to my mind is that you're the Kim Kardashian of your family. But then I realized all the other connotations that come with that. But um, that makes it a, a bad a bad comparison. But It's not a good comparison, are... too, because Chris Jenner was like the mastermind. Uh, and yeah. I, I think my mom's more like it, it's like the analogy you're looking for is like when one person has some modicum of a fan base and then people realize that someone in their world is better. That's like how people are. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you nailed it off the top. Yeah, it's like, oh, actually, we we like this person. Um, OK, question. <laughs> I can't ask this one. OK, second question. Brown fan 987, pretty sure this is the phone number, not going to read it out loud, asks, is Deshaun Watson turning into Matt Stafford, puts up great numbers, but doesn't win? Um, let me rephrase that. Do you think Deshaun Watson is doomed to not winning? No. I mean, they they won divisions already with him. Like, uh, I think the Matt Stafford comparison is, is interesting because I think he's – Maybe I don't remember Matt Stafford back then, but it feels like Deshaun Watson is already better than what Matt Stafford was. Like this season has been really impressive despite the fact that they haven't had success. But that's a good analogy because the – no, it's it's not actually. Because I feel like I, I all the Lions games I watched, some of it their team wasn't good enough, but Matt Stafford had his own failings. It doesn't feel like, at least this season, it doesn't feel like um, Deshaun Watson is having those same failings. So he could be destined – I don't know who is like Marino or maybe Rivers might be a better mm-hmm. comparison. Marino. Someone who always falls short, but is always considered <sighs> the tip top of the league, but never quite gets it. I don't think Stafford ever got to that upper echelon. I feel like Watson is viewed as there and I think he'll, he'll stay there no matter yeah. how much success he has. Yeah. It kind of feels like him leading the league in passing yards and being the, like the first quarterback since Jeff George to do that with 12 losses. That was 1997. I think 
it, it, it finally, it took a long time, but it sort of mainstreamed the like, oh, right, John, Deshaun Watson is really awesome still, even though his team sucks. And it like at the beginning of the season, that was kind of like a hipster thing to say that I loved saying. But now I think everybody kind of gets it. Um, How do you feel when that happens? Like, I, I, it happens to you more often than me, probably. <laughs> but when you're when you're onto something early and it's yours, there's like this one sweet spot where people are starting to understand it, but not everybody believes it. But then once it goes full mainstream, it's, it's like you lost it. Like you lost, I feel like um, discovering a band. It's that same feeling. Yeah, um, it is a similar feeling. I feel okay as long as I have, let me put it this way. It's better than being wrong. So, <laughs> um, uh, Who do you want to coach, Deshaun? I don't know. I, I I'm tired of doing the coach thing because everyone's like, "Who should coach this team?" And I'm like, "I like like any of us." No, listen. Good. You, there's like four or five dudes who all seem fine right now. Like, yeah. you, I mean, you, I feel like we, yeah, we've had this conversation before. Like, we don't we don't know the things that are required to be a good coach. Like, aren't things that mm. we have access to? I know you so kind of had you kind of had to eat crow on Cliff, but now that's come back around, and suddenly yeah, yeah, it was a premature crow. I, yeah, I, yeah, never eat crow. Wait it out. Because <laughs> man, was was I right and wrong at the same time? But yeah, <laughs> mm, um, Cliff. There seems like like between Bienemy, Dable, Arthur Smith, Robert Salad, they're all great. They're all probably be good, yeah. and. I, Anyone who like claims to on the outside to know like the tiny differences between how they'll be as head coaches is probably lying to themselves. It's only bad if they're like, we're going to go off the reservation and hire Urban Meyer. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> now I can, now I can criticize. But, uh, okay. One more question. Uh, no, that's not off the reservation. Urban Meyer was a successful college coach. Cliff Kingsbury. It's off the reservation. Sorry. Successful on the field. ATL Saints fan. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> which by the way, incredible handle already truly uh, uh, an act of bravery asks who, who starts at quarterback for the saints in 2021 please don't be Taysom hill my vote would be for matt stafford another matt stafford question if they yeah. can figure out the cap that is hilarious the saints have negative cap space next year but i will never say they can't figure out the cap um, yeah, they always figure it out <laughs> that but that's actually insane uh i think I think they'll probably they're, they're going to draft someone, and I I guess they're going to deep Taysom, man. I, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm not having that hard a time answering this question as you. Like, it's okay. who, who do I think, or who do you think will be? I think it's going to be Taysom. I don't yeah. think it should be, but I think it's going to be Taysom. And ATL fan, they could just be a fan of the show or the movie ATL. True, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, new new. Okay. The very first game on Sunday is airing on ESPN. It's also airing on ESPN Plus, where you can watch myself, Laura Rutledge, Marcus Spears, and Dan Orlovsky comment on the game. And that's Ravens-Titans. Or, pardon me, Titans-Ravens. Shoot, I already messed it up. Oh, we know it's Ravens-Titans. Yeah, it's, it's Ravens-Titans. We're going yeah! to Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, got that on my system. really hope I don't do that during the broadcast. Um, so... My question, my uh, the the sentence I came up with, or like the like you know sticking point for this game is, can the Ravens stick to their identity? Because Baltimore should win this game. 
Like, I understand that we're doing like the rematch and like these are two very similar teams and all of that. But last year, the Titans defense was kind of mediocre, like average by most accounts. They were uh, in the middle of the NFL. This year, they suck. This is a bad defense. They are 30th in pass defense and 16th against the run. I have enjoyed watching the Ravens um, turn their season around and sort of, you know, rediscover themselves, get their groove back, if you will. Uh, But I live in fear of a repeat of Mm -hmm. them maybe falling behind a little bit, maybe even not falling behind and abandoning the principles that sort of make them so unique. So that that's to me the big thing. Interesting, because Interesting. I would I wouldn't phrase my um my one thing this way, but it could be phrased as the opposite of what you're saying. Because oh, wow. I think that they should not stick as close to their identity. And like I don't mean it literally. That is, like that still is be the, the team. Yeah, I'm just I'm doing it for um entertainment purposes because I wouldn't say it like don't stick close to your identity, but I would say that. Most important thing for them is to throw the ball on first down, play action, throw the ball on first down, and complete the passes. And that is not their identity. Their identity is run, 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 run on first downs. And the cool thing about them, why they're so good on third down in particular, is even on third and eight, they could still run the ball. Like they have a two-way go, and that's challenging for people to prepare for. But I rewatched that game that they had this season against the Titans. And on first down, they ran the ball so much, but the Titans defense was selling out against the run. Like they, right. their middle safety was damn near playing linebacker and they were leaving yeah. corners ISOed with no safety help out on their receivers. And then they would play cover four where the safeties had like a quick trigger. So again, they were leaving their corners isolated. And a couple times there were open or like NFL open receivers, like deep down the field. They weren't like wide open, but they were NFL open and Lamar didn't connect on them on two different times. And they didn't come back to it. It just, to me, it feels like, Mm. and I looked up the numbers too. Sorry to go on and on, but I looked up the numbers to see if, if my feeling was right. But throughout the course of this entire season, on first down, their success rate uh, running the ball, 38%, I believe. On first down, their success rate for passing the ball, 53%. So it just seems like an obvious thing to do in that moment. I'd be very curious to see those numbers split by week or, you know, first half of the season or second half of the season, because I I agree with you, but I'll say this, the Ravens run game, it's looked exponentially better over the the last part of the season. And some of that is opponent for sure. Although the Giants are a good team, you know, but it, one thing that has really jumped out to me is so, so it, it's been really hard to explain some of the issues with the Ravens at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's not hard actually. Parts of it are difficult, but this is a team that lost like half of their offensive line, including some of the best offensive linemen in football. They lost their blocking tight end. Of course they struggled to do all the same shit they did in 2019. Well, <laughs> like their personnel is totally different. And what they did was they completely, not completely, but in can, I, can I take a quick time out? Quick time out. Can I take a 20 second time out? Okay. One of the best things about talking to you is, or just smart people in general. Like my, my wife is like this, like she's really smart and she has 
arguments with herself in the middle of a conversation. And I am just enjoying watching you have this conversation with yourself and just sitting on the sideline where you keep saying things and then contradicting and disagreeing and reevaluating. It is very fun. It should be the Mina Kimes. All right. Mina Kimes. I'm going to be definitive here. The Ravens <laughs> run game has improved over <laughs> the last few weeks because it's actually evolved. Um, their offensive line is not the bulldozing offensive line it was last year. And as a result, they have used, okay, so they've, they've, they've had to look at who they have and said, what can we do, right? Like if we can't just dominate guys in a phone booth, like what can we do to create holes? Because when you watch them, and I, again, I know it's like the Bengals and whatever, but these are wide open holes, for whether it's J.K. Dobbins, I think he had like six yards before contact hunts, um, or whether it's Lamar himself who who is keeping more. And the holes are being created by the angles that the offensive linemen are taking because they're using more gap concepts in the run game. It's all clicking at the same time. That said, Dominique, if the Titans completely sell out against the run, you're a thousand percent right. They should throw the ball. I, I And I, I guess I'm just... I'm just not convinced freaking Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown aren't going to drop the goddamn ball. <laughs> I'm already they got so this. angry. They got this. They got this. Right oh, ass open God. seam route to freaking Mark Andrews. I can already see it. I can already. <sighs> Soldier. I mean, I'm with you, but the, the thing that. You know, you're right. It's a process. They should. Yeah. Do it. The thing that's if tough about, about this is when people sell out against them, they get two, three, maybe even four yards. And you're like, hey, this is working. But when people sell out, every now and then you got to crack their head with a, with a 40, 50 yarder. And like those, those are the only opportunities you're going to really get to, to do that. Like they have this perfect situation and Lamar's accuracy is what it is. Like it's not going to uh, miraculously turn into Drew Brees. Like it's, if they had to rely on that more, this team would not be as good as they are. But they don't have to. He does a lot of other things. But also, like, the red zone, it gets tougher down there. Like, that's – they just need these big plays, I believe, because the obvious reason is it opens other things up. But it gets you those points. It gets you um, field position. It gets you all the things that they've thrived on before that it feels like they can't create. And I know that the Titans' defense is bad, but they don't play the Ravens every week. And even bad defenses, if you are all in the NFL and you decide they are not going to run the ball, yeah, right, maybe yeah. they'll get a one-on-one deep. They're not going to run the ball. Like, I don't care who your running back is or your quarterback yeah. is. If they commit freaking drop. nine guys to, to, to stopping the run, they're going to stop the run. You're right. And, yeah. You're right. Um, we should give some love to Derrick Henry. My God. 2,000 yards is like, remember when that was a thing and, and we gave people MVP for that and we like stopped uh, game balls and we celebrate. Like, he's not even going to be offensive player of the year. The man had 2,000 yards rushing. Not? You don't think you think it's going to be Kelsey? I mean, probably. I, I guess they have to give it to him with 2,000 yards, right? If he got yeah. if he got 900 or 1,999 yards, they're definitely giving it to Kelsey. <laughs> or maybe Adams for, for his part of a season. Or, I mean, even Diggs. Like, Diggs, like it's not a foregone conclusion. Like, he might not get it at 2,000 yards. Um, the Titans' offense, it, it really is like, you know, the Tannehill, Henry, and A.J. Brown show, right? Um, and they're, 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 
I would say with Tannehill, uh, this is not the best matchup for him because the Ravens, like they were able to get a pass rush with both the standard at this point, actually it's gotten a lot better and blitzing. Um, and he has struggled some under pressure, even though he also has that big play potential. I think to me, AJ Brown is like the, like, I'm just trying to think of like, okay, God, I want to get Derek Henry credit. I don't know why I keep doing this. And I always sounds like I'm undermining him, but when I, uh, don't you just think like AJ Brown's going to like, you know, that like 51 yarder that he popped up. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's a compliment. It's a, it's a weird way to get to the compliment, but I think that what you're doing is the assumption is Derek Henry is going to be Derek Henry. That's not going to be the difference maker in his team. The difference maker or what makes the difference in this team is like what AJ Brown is able to do. Right. Or, or um, Tannehill. So I, I get where you're coming from, but the game isn't resting on Derrick Henry necessarily because we are going to. Uh, I'm assuming the Ravens are yeah. going to stop him completely. Right. Yeah. Um, and they're going to sell out to try to stop him. He's still going to get going and hopefully he doesn't embarrass anybody this week because that gets tiresome having to watch DBs get pushed around and spun around and pushed into the ground every week. Do you have the Ravens in this one? Uh. I don't know. I think so. I think I need to let this one sink in a little bit, but I think, I mean, the Ravens are better. I think they're better, but I, my faith in them is not like, Oh, Lamar can't right. win from behind or whatever. It's, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, it's, you know, the, I mean, the Titans offense is really, really freaking good. Like they're really, really fun. Um, they're really, the play calling is amazing. So we'll see. I, I mean, the Titans offense versus the Ravens defense is, probably the most fun matchup again if you're like looking just pure off like pure talent on talent um wish i could say the same about the next game so bear saints oh lenny does not want to talk about bear Saints. lenny we're talking about bear saints <laughs> um so again, for I, always for me it's just kind of like the upset thing all over again and it is the I, I, the best thing i could come up with as a bears is is it is can you get d- Brad Dubreeze? <laughs> yeah, I mean that, the the tough thing I think for the Bears is your best argument for for winning and when you're outmatched is that Khalil Mack takes over and creates a bunch of sacks and sack fumbles. Um, but the Saints, Dubreeze doesn't hold on to the ball and their offensive line is outstanding. So like it's weird when they're better than you in every category and even the category where you might have some advantage, they have the style of play and the players to potentially neutralize that. So like this game, I feel like less, I have less faith in the bears than I do in Washington. Cause it even, at least in Washington, it feels like, um, you mean the, New Orleans. Oh, oh sorry. No, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying like, I'm, I'm just talking about the games that feel like uh, they could be blowouts. Like I don't have any faith in the, in the bears. The, in the bears defense is really, really tailed off over the last few weeks and and Roquan Smith might not play I don't let me check the latest on that he went out again that was that's huge in this game in particular because he's balled this season he's been really good and um yeah losing Alvin like against Alvin Kamara is not the game you want to lose your cover linebacker put it that way yeah so I I mean I I don't have much faith in this game being competitive and especially the way that they match up when they like they say styles make fights and sometimes you can have a good one even though the talent isn't there. This feels like a lopsided talent situation and also lopsided style because the point I was making about 
Breeze wants to get rid of the ball quickly. You need somebody that's going to hold on to the ball, and Breeze is not going to do that. So Khalil Mack can get back there and give you a sack fumble. You need somebody who can cover Alvin Kamara. <laughs> you, you may yeah. not have that. And you're going to need somebody potentially who is not going to make mistakes, give them a short field, someone who's going to score points. Like, is, is Montgomery going to do that? Because I don't think anyone, including the Bears, believe that Trubisky is going to do it. The best case I could come up with for the Bears offense against the Saints defense would be a lot of play action, which Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. has had some success with lately. Um, and then I, I like their tight end, Cole Komet. And yeah. the Saints have struggled with tight ends, so I would target him a lot. Um, but I feel that this game hinges on whether Drew Brees, who, you know, again, has laid an egg the last two playoffs and, of course, is coming off of like a brutal ribs injury. Um, yeah. Ribs injury is a tough phrase to say. Anyways, uh, whether he sort of implodes, frankly, because in the lot and he, you know, when he came back from the injury, he looked really bad. Last game, he looked a lot better. Um, he get and that was without Kamara and Tom. Yep. So I, it's it's going to be uphill. So you you need a total implosion, Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have much faith in him. And um, Alvin got a bye week. You didn't want that. <laughs> okay, well, let's get to this last game. A team that could certainly need a bye week is Cleveland. I was excited about this game. I'm pissed. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to, even though I, I I know I said earlier, like Cleveland just barely beat the JV Steelers, but I really, I think Kevin Stefanski is like a fantastic coach and I hope was hoping they get Denzel Ward back. They have the benefit of having the Sunday night game. And you know, like I have more faith in Drew Brees than I do Ben Roethlisberger. Like I know Ben Roethlisberger yeah. like turned it on for a half, but we've seen <laughs> five weeks or whatever of him not. But losing both Stefanski and Betonio in particular is just you know losing anyone on that offensive line is brutal because the whole offense like flows from the offensive line and like the fact that they're you know able to outmatch teams and and then to do it against freaking Cam Hayward of all humans on the inside is. <laughs> Go back and watch the first half of Buffalo to Pittsburgh, and um, oh gosh, they had to double team him. You remember that? And that's how Josh and they got a quick game going. That's not what Cleveland wants to do. It's gonna be tough. I don't know. Like I know we're not supposed to like blame people when they test positive and that stuff. So I'm certainly not gonna do that. But we've been talking about this all year, at least like in my some of my group chats. It's like. Playoff time is going to come. What would you do? I remember when the season, before the season started, we talked about, like, once you get to the playoffs, like, do you bubble your own team? And it sounds, maybe it's might have sounded crazy back then, but, like, you kind of should. You kind of have to at this point because you can't <laughs> trust all of them. Like, you lose the whole game, and you have no shot when your head coach, your best offensive lineman are out. Like, let it happen to a quarterback, and it certainly could. And you could lose more than that. So to me, like it sucks, but I guess it's fitting for this season to have some sort of COVID implications on the first round of the playoffs, but you're right. We're getting robbed. It was the prime time, big game and doesn't look like it's going to be as uh, competitive as we would have liked. I have a random, no, it's not a random. It's an obvious question flowing from the discussion we just had. Which loss is bigger, Stefanski or Petonia? 
Because I, I, I don't normally, know if everyone totally understands the role of the head coach, but in this yeah. particular case, also the play caller, which again. There it is. Yep. There okay. it is. Yeah, I know. There it like, is. Some teams are I like, would, eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't matter that much. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like the in game time management stuff. Like, you can have somebody study that and enough people be on top of when to call timeouts, when to go for it. Like, those things I think are easier um, than a play calling rhythm and decision making and getting accustomed to setting people up for other plays and not only the play calling, but the in-game adjustments. Like those are things that there is like a, a process because there's not much time in football, even at halftime, there's not much time, there's not much time between possessions. Like there's a process. There are people involved in that process that see things upstairs, call it down to somebody like there's a process. And that is not something you want to be testing out anew in your first playoff game. So to me, that feels like a bigger loss. You can, you, you can compensate for missing an O lineman. You're like, all right, well, we run to the other side or we double over there. You have to come up with a whole new process and a whole new way of calling games and a whole new, like, I don't know. To me, that seems more difficult. You know, what concerns me though, about Petonio in particular, one, he's really freaking good. They're all good on that offensive line. But, um, in the, the final game in week 17, um, the JV Steelers were able to get pressure and a lot of it was coming on the left against the Rook, um, uh, Wills, who's, who was awesome at run blocking, but like they were, he, he was getting beat in pass pro and, oh, TJ Watt wasn't playing. And, you know, so like, I'm concerned because, you know, we've seen Baker Mayfield, the pressures, you know. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, like I actually, so that concerns me more because I do think while the Browns defense has struggled, they do get guys back. I think Ward is going to play. Um, they were also missing one of their linebackers. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but they played Carl Joseph. Oh, and, and Andrew Sandeo was not so great, but he was out too. So anyways, they're getting guys back. And then they lose Olivier Vernon, who he he's I wouldn't put him at like the Montez Sweat to Chase Young territory when it comes to Miles Garrett, but he has right. been he has really turned it on over the last half of the season. And so to not have him is brutal. This is so sad. Oh yeah. I want this to be a fun game. I want Cle- I I'm so happy for Cleveland fans and <sighs> yeah. It's nice for Cleveland fans. Like I'm happy for them too. But I mean, I guess this to some degree takes the pressure off and maybe this will like yeah, playing with Baker's money. chance to rise up. Yeah, he can become because I, I think Baker has it in him to have great moments and have great games. And maybe this is gonna maybe. be his chance to do that. He was under pressure against Baltimore. It's a good defense. Right. And it gives him a great excuse if he sucks. Yeah. So this is gonna be win, I mean win, win, Baker. one of those like they're not gonna win a Super Bowl this year, so they could play. If they win this game, obviously that's great. But if they play well, uh, and, and then go into the off season, it's like, man, we were so great. If we'd have had our full complement, it's on and popping. So you have that. Go ahead, prepare that excuse. We're gonna feel real dumb when they when they beat the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger isn't very good. Your words, not mine. Um... <laughs> I know. I said it like that just to attract all the hate. Well, yeah, well, you get no hate, so that'll be different. All right. As always, <laughs> speaking of hate, let's wrap up with five questions for our, our lovely guest. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question number one. 
What's worse? Mass murder or what the Eagles did? In week seven? <laughs> I was, um, you were I, so mad. I logged on so to mad. the internet in order to make a comment about the um, the Eagles thing. And I saw what was happening. And it's like poker. You know, it was like, all right, I'm going to put in a chip here. i put in 200 there. People was going all in. And I was like, this is too rich for my blood. I turned my phone off and went to bed. Because I was like, That's I can't. I, I am not as outraged as you guys. I, like, I, I can't. I Barnwell and I was like, I'm not going to tweet anything. And then, of course, like <laughs> two hours later, I was like, I just want to say. <laughs> But I I was I was annoyed by it, so I opened up my phone in order to like log my annoyance because like people needed to hear what I had to say. And then I saw that the table stakes was too high. People was already trying trying to uh, hang my man Doug, and I was like, "Oh, this this game ain't for me. Let me get up." You're here. a notorious uh, anti tanker, so this is a oh, yeah. must have been a this must have been tough for you. I wish I I should have told you because on one hand you're anti tank and you hate the you know the 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 nerds and our our love of draft picks, but then on the other hand. You hate pearl clutching and the integrity of the game. So you must have been sitting there just like between the uh, angel and the devil and not knowing what to do. No, I was like, I was confused because I remember when like I was up in arms about the Dolphins tank and nobody seemed to be as bothered as me. And I felt like it was because you are wasting these guys' career. And now all these people are up in arms One because half. you wasted a half. half. And that's, that was more my reaction. Like, where was y'all at when I was calling everybody reprehensible? Nobody was there. there. You had said I was overreacting. Um, and now they done wasted a half of these boys' career. And y'all are all mad. And I was annoyed by it. But not, like, I was not as hot as these people were on the internet. I was just like, Amazing, important. release your pearls. The worst, the worst. Um, poor Nate Sudfeld. Like, oh, people think you're so bad that you instigated a national conversation. You know, <laughs> it's time to have a conversation. Because, <laughs> okay, look, I don't think they're trying to win. Let's be clear. I'm not. <laughs> but I also think they, they actually like him there. They put a tender on him last year. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not like they rolled but, out, you know, so- the editor. To me, what they did, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But to me, that's justifiable. It's much more, much more justifiable than a full-on tank. And like oh, tanking means a bunch of different things to different people. That's why we probably end up arguing about it because I don't disagree with like amassing um, draft capital with the right trade, and I don't disagree with rebuilding. I just disagree with like full like leaning into like, look, we're gonna be as terrible as possible. Like I think that's bad for the culture of your team, and I think it's wrong to do someone who's worked their whole life to get to that spot. However, uh-huh. the dis- the defense in this situation to me seems obvious because they they had a goal in that game. It wasn't to win. Like, we're going to evaluate Sudfeld. We're going to figure out what we got on this mm-hmm. roster, and maybe we're going to get a better draft pick. I don't like it. I like to say that I wouldn't do it, but I'm not mad about it. Like, here's, it makes where they, here's where they screwed up. They should have just played Stud- Sudfeld from the beginning. Oh, Jalen, the old ankle's acting up. That that was their. They were trying to have their tank cake and get their rep cake too. If you know what I'm saying, they were like, "Oh, we're going to use some yeah. rep to evaluate." And and they did not. They underestimated how bad the Washington but, offense is, oh, and they were not. They bad. were not playing ball. 
I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you just said that, it just reminded me that like they didn't just decide to start losing when they put Nate in. Like they were the coaches they were, awful, were yeah, they trying were. to lose all game. How oh. bad is Washington? Yeah, it yeah. hasn't gone well for this weekend. Yeah, how good is, is one more thing? Those players and Jalen to to keep them competitive. I don't know. One more thing, because I like I said, I find the whole thing hilarious, and um, <laughs> particularly the reaction. But today we had to do a whole segment on it because Miles Sanders got it. Miles Sanders, you didn't play. You know, oh. I know why. Because they didn't want to win. <laughs> well, I, like is my brain breaking like did you complain about not playing miles sanders no nope. <laughs> go judge waiting in oh just uh, spectacular, uh, spectacular. it's an easy win everybody loves an easy win let me come in here and tell you how badly i feel about all this yeah, but i actually easy think he, he misplayed that one because the thing is it's an easy thing to criticize, but if you're the loser, like if you're six and ten, people are going to turn it on you. I think he. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was talking about Miles Sanders. Joe Judge needs to oh, yeah. hush up. It's an easy win for Miles Sanders, but not when he has to go into a meeting with Doug Peterson or Howie. That is true. I'm just yeah. Um. All right. That took a long time, so I'm just going to go straight to Lenny's question. I was, I was going to. You have you seen Cobra Kai? Uh, yep, just finished it. Just finished it. Okay. Well, I guess, okay, never mind. I mean, I have one question. Which Cobra Kai character do you relate to the most? Hmm. I got a bunch of thoughts on Cobra Kai, but I'll text them to you. All right. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought you were going to ask my favorite. I really like Hawk. You pick one for me, and I'll pick one for you. <sighs> I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're Daniel's daughter. That's you. What's her name? Sam, the least believable karate doer ever. I mean, she like at least in this season, she like turned to a cutthroat, and she doesn't look like that. And that's what I think about you. Is most people are like, oh, Mina, she's so sweet because they look at you and they think you're sweet, but you are ruthless. And that's mm-hmm. why I I said that Sam is who you are. But I don't think any of them are like Kamiko. That would have been who Kamiko. The oh no. <laughs> um. Okay, I am. So I want, you know, I wanted to. My favorite character, by the way, was the mom because I loved how she would go meta and like oh, super yeah. rational. But then she lost all of that credibility when she like did not. Spoiler continue. alert! Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, never mind. Sorry, I don't want to spoil it for people. All right, you are uh, no, no. last. You're Johnny Lawrence. You're like a Johnny. How dare you! <laughs> What? He's the best How character. How dare you? How dare you? He's the best character. He's my favorite character. He's I but he's I got am... a soft heart. No, 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 no. Okay, you can focus on that. That is true. But he also peaked in high school and has been chasing it forever. Like, all I see when I see Johnny Lawrence is a sad kid who once was, like, cool and, and got the girls and now is an adult who still wishes it was 1984. Read into it, you will. Um, right, now I know how you really feel about me. Okay, final question, as always, from Lenny. Well, I should have had Lenny ask you that because, geez. Lenny. Yeah, that was insulting. Um, Lenny watched Cobra Kai. He also watched us on first take, and he wanted to ask if you were deliberately trying to look bad next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, Lenny.